Hello, hello. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited for you to tune into today's episode. It is such an incredible episode for those of you that have considered expanding your offerings into coaching and identify as being a mental health professional. In today's episode, we are having a conversation with my current client inside of Align Coaching, Daisy Gomez, who is a first-generation bilingual licensed Latina therapist, speaker, and life coach with over a decade of experience treating diverse populations. She's also a loving tia, a proud daughter of immigrants, a sister and mental health advocate. Daisy is the founder and CEO of Encuentrate Counseling and Consulting. She currently specializes in helping overwhelmed first-generation professionals heal and thrive through a culturally sensitive and authentic approach. Additionally, she conducts psychological immigration evaluations, workshops, and also is a speaker on mental health-related issues. I'm so excited for you to tune into today's conversation, where it is typically a longer episode, but it is worth every single minute of it. You're definitely going to want to take some notes and you're definitely going to want to replay this and save it as an episode that you can always come back to for wisdom when you are navigating burnout, feeling unseen in the workplace and having a hard time choosing yourself and your own dreams. It is such a good episode filled with so many gems. And before we dive into the episode, If you resonate with the show and you resonate with the work that I do, I want to invite you to enroll inside of Align Coaching, my 12-month signature group program where Latina mental health professionals learn how to double their therapy income with coaching. Inside, we help Latina therapists that are trainees in community mental health or private practice learn ethical marketing skills so they can grow their income and impact. Our clients are Latina therapists, mental health professionals from all walks of life that know they want to expand their offerings while using their therapy skills so they can increase their income and heal their burnout. The problem is that they don't identify with being entrepreneurs. They have a difficult time marketing their services and feeling guilty for charging private pay. Inside Align Coaching, we help you create your coaching offer using our fail-safe business model teach you how to ethically market your services so you never feel ashamed or embarrassed to offer your services again, and teach you how to honor and price your rates without guilt so you can create and have more space in your calendar and heal your burnout. Again, the program is 12 months of weekly group coaching. It has an on-demand curriculum portal that you can watch from the comfort of anywhere to accommodate to your busy schedule. You also will have peer coaching, a group community Slack support. The investment is $4,000 paid in full for 12 months and payment plans are available. I invite you to enroll. Doors will be closing on May 12th. Make sure to enroll. All of the details for enrollment will be in the link in the show notes. Hi, and welcome to the Latina CEO Identity Podcast, a show for Latinas who want to take the unconventional path. I'm so happy you're here. I'm your host, Liz Fernandez, a first-generation daughter of immigrants and therapist turned multi-six-figure CEO and identity coach. I help Latinas create and claim their identity as booked-out coaches and entrepreneurs. 
In this show, you will have a space to help you realize just how gifted and extraordinary you already are so that you start tapping into your gifts and start creating your Latina CEO identity. Lista? Let's get into today's episode. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Latina CEO Identity Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest. It's one of my clients, Daisy Gomez, and she is going to be sharing her journey with us today, her story, and what has supported her in navigating her own process through burnout and her recovery process through that as a licensed therapist. We cannot wait to hear from you, Daisy. We are so, so honored to hear from you today and just excited to hear your wisdom. So tell the listeners who you are, what your current roles are, and what you do. Thank you so, so much, Liz, for the invitation. My heart feels so excited and it feels so warm to even just be here with you and to hear those beautiful words come from you. It's an honor to know you in that sense. And thank you again for the space. Mi nombre is Daisy Gomez. I am a licensed clinical professional counselor in the state of Illinois. But um, most importantly, soy una hija de inmigrantes de Jalisco. I'm a sister. I'm a amazing tía de dos niños, soon to be teenagers, or they act like teenagers. I'm a big mental health advocate. Obviously, I'm a therapist. I'm a speaker. One of my biggest passions is doing psychoeducational workshops and providing information and resources to mi comunidad. I have been blessed to be an adjunct profesora, which is something that I never even imagined. And so that's one of the roles. And most recently, I'm a life coach on top of all of those roles. And yeah, I'm really excited to be here with you. So thank you. So amazing, Daisy. And I I know I told you this offline, right? But I'm just always in awe of everything that you've been able to create, given that, you know, the adversities that first generation Latinas navigate in, in their stories and upbringing. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. You can already tell for those of you listening that this interview is going to be incredible just by hearing Daisy's introduction. And I'm really, really, really wanted to touch on the topic of how you fell in starting a private practice in your business at the same time, because I know so many therapists that really like their dream is to start a private practice, but they really hold back with the idea because like logically it just feels like really scary and nobody teaches us a way. So I, I just want to know if you can share with us, you know, how you balanced starting both. Actually, we can start by the fact that I never imagined and I was never the therapist to think about private practice. I love community mental health and I loved working in so many settings here in the city of Chicago. And I've been in the field almost 10 years now and time flew by. And so the idea of doing my own practice never really sunk in with me. And even during the times that I was going through very difficult burnout, I no me cruzaba la mente. I never even imagined it. It wasn't until last year when I lost my grandfather and I was able to leave my full-time job to travel to Mexico and stay there for almost a month durante el funeral, during the time that we were kind of grieving together in community. And I was very much disconnected. I was very much in my culture and my my community um, practicing some of the rituals and tradiciones del, del pueblo, del rancho. I call it a rancho, but they call it a, a pueblo, but I still say it's a rancho. 
And going home, right, because I was born here in Chicago, pero yo siempre digo que soy de aquí y soy de allá. And so going back home and spending more than a weekend, because as an adult working and doing all the things, it was really challenging to spend more than a couple of days back home. I realized that I didn't want to come back to work and not because of the work that I was doing, more so because I wanted that flexibility or that freedom to say like, I want to be where I want to be when I want to be there, right? And I had not really experienced it. And so when my grandfather and I were very close, but the way I grieved him was very, very powerful. And it was also very warm to my heart because he was a bracero. He was the first one to get here to the United States. And so he traveled from state to state as a bracero and he inspired me in so many ways. And he also opened the door for my family and the generation, my parents to, you know, get here. And then I'm grateful because of his risks and him taking the challenge. I'm able to do what I'm able to do now. And so at that moment when I didn't want to come back or I, you know, had to come back, I questioned like, why? Why? I've, he did so many sacrifices for everyone else, para la familia. My parents have done so many sacrifices and I'm so grateful for them. And I've always been the trailblazer and I continue to be the one opening doors for the rest of my family. And so I thought about it. And as soon as I came back, I said, I'm going to do this. I'm opening my private practice. I didn't know how. I had no idea what it was going to, what I, what I was going to name it. And, you know, everyone's really concerned about branding and figuring out what is the name? That was the least of my concerns, honestly. I just wanted to figure out how to get started. So I started with the legal process and I was very strategic because I wanted to not burn out, right? That that was my biggest fear and still continues to be one of the things that I'm constantly assessing and I'm constantly so self-aware. Am I doing too much? Am I taking care of my body, my mind, and even, you know, spiritually, am I taking care of myself before I can pour into any other projects or any other things? When I decided to follow through, I went through the legal things and that took a couple of months figuring out how to establish a business, all the things, right? And then after that, I said, okay, so how am I going to start this business and what services am I going to offer? And so I started very slow, actually. I started with incorporating immigration evaluations and that was a learning curve in itself, right? But it was a really great way for me to continue doing my nine to five. And then also giving back to my community, as you know, immigration evaluations help individuals who are in the process of either seeking asylum or seeking residency due to certain crimes or certain experiences that they've had here in the United States. And there's different types of visas. And so it was a really helpful way for me to get back into the clinical, the direct clinical work by doing evaluations and then also serving my community once again. And I started incorporating that. Then I said, so what's next? And speaking engagements is something that I've always really loved to do. And I do a lot of that for my full-time job. And then I started adding speaking engagements. And so that was the second service that I offered. And then finally, when I started to actually start marketing myself on social media and show my face, which that took six months in itself, right? I finally decided that I was going to start doing therapy. And then that's when I made the leap and joined your coaching program. And I said, well, why not do both at the same time? And so therapy and coaching services. The gradual transition was significant. It was it has been really powerful. One, because I've owned that process. I've decided what I want to do. I've decided how I want to do it. It's done me tiempo in my timeline. And that that is extremely empowering for me. 
And I almost, I reassessed every time I added a service. Okay. Am I ready for the next thing? Am I, am I okay with adding one more thing? How am I going to balance that? And there are still moments when I'm feeling overwhelmed and I'm feeling like I'm doing too much, but it's because it's a learning curve. It's a, it's a new transition and, and adjusting your, your personal life, your professional life. And that can be challenging, but it takes a lot of practice and it takes a lot of intention. So now that I'm doing all the things, right, and all those services are incorporated, it feels good. I met with a client last night and after a session, I kind of sat here and I checked with my body and I said, I feel really good. Like I'm not feeling drained. I'm not feeling like I used to feel in some cases when I was doing community private community work, I felt drained after seeing clients sometimes. And so again, I do a lot of reassessing and I really value the fact that it's on my terms. My caseload is full when I say it's full. My time is dedicated to the things that I want to do. And that essentially has been tying to my own healing journey and really being able to to live for me, right? And living on my terms. And so that's how I balance it. That was so, so good, Daisy. Thank you for sharing that with us. You know, I see, I kept nodding my head because there's just so many similarities in our stories in terms of when we decided to lanzarnos into entrepreneurship. I know that for those that have been following me for a while, I also made the decision when I lost my grandfather. And it was when I realized that, wow, like I had to choose between going to go visit him and where he was at, where they were taking care of him in Oaxaca when he was in his deathbed or getting kicked out of my grad program because of, you know, the the demands of, of the schoolwork. And I remember thinking to myself, I never want to feel this again. I never want to have to ask for permission for something like this ever again. And I love that you share, you know, the story of how you made your decision, because I think so often from the outside looking in, people assume like, oh my gosh, she's an overachiever. She's doing all the things. Look at her. But it's like, it didn't just happen like from night and day, right? It was an ongoing little seed that was planted in us. And sometimes it would come through and like speak to us and would be like, no, pues ya después, no. And it's like, we continue to see that message come through and that download come through. and. Again, like it's so much more than just making a decision and doing it. It it actually takes us really assessing and looking at like, okay, well, what are the benefits? What are, what is it costing me? And in this case, it was like your time freedom where you were able to work from like when you were going to be maxed out with the workload that you currently had. And it's just so many moving pieces. And I think also as you know, what came to mind is like as high achieving Latinas, like it's really hard for us to tell when we're burnt out. Like it's super hard. And I know for me personally, I know my body completely will give out before I even know that I'm burnt out. And then I'll be like, am I sick? <laughs> like what was happening? But it's like, no, you haven't been listening to the signs. Right. So I know we're going to dive into that part later in the, you know, in the interview today, but just thank you for sharing so much of that because the realities of balancing both can feel overwhelming in our minds, pero cuando nos ponemos a hacer las cosas and we're like, okay, let's start slowly. And I love that you emphasize that, right? It doesn't have to happen like de un día para otro. You don't have to put that pressure on yourself. You have nothing to prove to anybody other than yourself. So might as well have fun with the journey that you're embarking on. Will it be uncomfortable? Absolutely. Will there be moments cuando nos dudamos de nosotras mismas? Absolutamente. But I think Daisy, like, you put it so beautifully, right? Like 
it takes a lot of assessing. It takes a lot of just checking in with ourselves and no ponernos las barreras porque muy fácilmente nos podemos decir a nosotras mismas, ¿Quién me creo? ¿Y cómo lo voy a hacer? My workload is already super demanding. And especially when you're coming from experiencing burnout in the past, it can be really debilitating to even think of taking on more things. 100% agree with you. And I think the level of burnout that I experienced caused me to stay away from direct service and direct clinical work. And you're right, as high achieving first generation Latinas, we don't know our window of tolerance sometimes when it comes to stress, because we can do it all. And the reality is that we can do it all. We just don't have to do it all at the same time. And we don't have to do it all by ourselves. And those have been like my life-saving lessons that I've learned as a, an adult now that claro que lo puedo hacer, pero no tiene que ser todo al mismo tiempo. And the reality is that I have community, I have support, I have mentors, I have people that are able to kind of help me through that process and kind of break out of that old habit of like, I have to be the only one to do, I'm the first one to do it. I have to do it by myself. No one understands, right? And I think that the part of reassessing where we are in life, what season we're in, how do we feel? How is our health, right? Including our mental health. That's really important on deciding when and how you're going to take things on. Um, when I took the role of adjunct professor for the first time last year, um, that in itself, I was, you know, they offered me the position relatively quickly and I have never, had never officially taught before. And they were graduate students in counseling. So literally in my field. And that was, it felt so right. I was scared very much. When I applied, I didn't really think about it. I said, a ver qué pasa, right? And then when I actually was offered the position, I immediately said yes. But just that process of knowing that I had a few days to prepare, I still had to create all the things and to learn all the things. And every time I finished class, I was just more excited and joyful. And that was very different. And I knew that I had made the right choice. And I think sometimes we are so disconnected from our body that we don't know when something is good for us. And we also are not able to tell when something's not so good for us. Yeah, that was my experience with teaching. And I, I absolutely love it. I uh, know. And I love that you touched on that example as well, because I also think it speaks to the Latinas that are in mental health that want to do so many more things, right? Outside of actually serving clients and doing direct work. And maybe they are burnt out from doing the direct work, but I honestly believe that the only reason why is because they haven't experienced what it feels like to do something else using the skill sets that they currently have, right? Like, for example, speaking engagements that I know you've dove into, like being an adjunct professor, right? And also expanding into coaching and now serving clients that you don't feel like drained by. And that's not to blame the clients that you've been working with in the past. It's just the work looks very different. And when things are very clinical, it does require a lot more energetically versus when things are more like future focused. It's very, very different. And I think that it's like, we don't know what we don't know. So if we have only experienced one way of practicing our work, like within our work and the skill sets we have, of course, nothing, we're not going to know about other opportunities that are out there. But like, for example, I used to think that only people that were famous had a podcast and here I am recording this episode with you, right? Like, I used to think I could never have one, but it's todo tiene que ver with your belief, with you assessing with yourself and really like not putting yourself in a box, right? And letting mm -hmm. yourself dream. It is so, so, so important. So on that note, what led you to expanding your offers into coaching services, Daisy? 
That's a really great question. I think when I thought about all the services and offerings that I had already done, right? So by the time I was ready to do therapy services, I had already had multiple conversations with very powerful individuals, you included, and a couple other mentors about coaching. And they said, well, I see you as a coach, but I if you would ask me this a year ago, I would have said, no, 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 that's not my thing. Like, I'm a therapist. I am licensed. This is this is what I'm good at. And knowing that there were there are significant differences, but the energy, the how much energy I'm going to spend in each service, right? And and knowing that I can serve at a larger capacity without limitations. And it kind of goes back to the origin as to why I started a business, right? the freedom and the accessibility and living life on my own terms. And many, many years ago, when I started my own healing process, that was my goal for myself. Quiero vivir para mí. And so incorporating therapy services and also offering coaching services was kind of opening that door to living on my own terms and being able to support others in my community in a different capacity that I know I'm very well skilled at because I'm trained. I'm a therapist already. And so it's definitely been a lot easier to to use the skills that I already have and also trust that I can do that, right? I never imagined that I was going to be able to be a professora, right? I never imagined. I thought I had to go get a PhD. And at some point I thought about it and it's still in the back of my mind. But, you know, knowing that we don't have to stay, as you mentioned, we don't have to stay within the box, right? And I think that's one of the things that graduate school doesn't teach us. I think that's one of the things that our parents sometimes don't teach us because they always want something that's best for us and something that's better than what they had, right? And so ever since I can remember, I've always been doing the most in the sense that I've kind of always, you know, did things different, asked for people's advice, but still did whatever I wanted to do, right? And so going into coaching, it's almost that thought of like, ¿por qué no? Um, I'm able to service more people. And I know in the past, even, you know, last summer as I was traveling, estaba in Mexico and I met a, a whole bunch of amazing people um, in Jalisco. Someone asked me, well, how can I work with you? And I was like, well, you're in another country. I really can't, I can't service you. And I did think about it. I said, well, maybe I can do like a speaking engagement or a workshop for the, it was a, it was a hotel company and the manager for a hotel company. And he's like, you know, I really like what you're all about. And I explained about uh, what I did for my business and how I had just opened it and started. And I had to decline a service. So like, you know, an offering and that didn't sit well with me. So I'm really grateful that now I'm able to really put into play the therapy services that I, I can offer and limit that to the extent that I want it, right? So I can see as many therapy clients as I want and I can see as many coaching clients as I want as well. So, so good. And oh my God, there's so much here that I want to touch on. And oh my God, it's so beautiful. The first thing that I think I really want to touch on, Daisy, is what you shared about the fact that you declined the service, right? And how you realized quickly, like, wow, this doesn't sit well. And I think that for so many of us, Again, like we we really think that being within the therapy field is the only way we'll ever we're ever going to like continue to grow in our career, right? Like, and there's a cap that they like unless you go in are a professor and get your PhD, like you're or grow within like the management of the role in mental health, like that's the only opportunities we can create for ourselves there. So we are very limited in who we can serve. And there's a really huge misconception, right? Uh, especially within our Latino community, that there's this belief that is we've been working for community, we've been doing community work, and the people we want to serve 
won't be able to afford quote unquote our services. So it's like we also limit who we serve with the, with that thinking sometimes. And I love that you you share how really expanding your offerings with coaching has allowed you to serve in different capacities, serve people all over the world, and not limit you to again who you can serve in your scope of practice. Absolutely, and I think I again I we're so conditioned to follow the rules as first gens, right? And being a licensed therapist, I only thought that doing the clinical work, becoming a clinical supervisor was my highest point. And before starting my business, I genuinely thought that I had reached the maximum growth that I could have done without doing a business, right? And so once I decided to say yes to private practice or opening a business, right, I think that opened so many doors. And from that, you know, the opportunity to meet people and have conversations about mental health and be able to offer a seminar or a workshop or maybe coaching. And now that I'm thinking about it from that same trip, it was a solo trip that I took last summer. And, you know, I met the, the manager for the hotel company. I met this uh, a couple other individuals in real estate, and we had had these conversations of how can I work with you? And at that point, I had no idea how, right? Because I was so in the box of, okay, private practices for therapy, right? But it really isn't. And I think as first gen, as Latinas, we are very much conditioned to follow the rules, follow the traditional trajectories of what we see is the norm. And in order for us to fully grow and not be feeling stuck, we we have to get out of that, out of that box. And we have to get out of the norms that we thought we, well, we have to dream big, basically. We want to be able to expand and achieve the things that we never imagined. And they're possible. As crazy as it sounds. That is so, so, so good. Especially when you mentioned Daisy, like how you never saw yourself as a coach either, right? You were like, well, if you would have asked me this six months ago, I would have been like, no, I'm just going to stay in my therapy lane because that's, you know, that's what I do. And how beautiful is it that you've been able to take yourself out of this box? What has helped you take yourself out of this box? A lot of personal assessment. And a lot of questioning, like, why not? A lot of my life, I've created my identity based on my academic achievement, based on my career, based on the places that I worked in or worked for. And so as I started a business, it was a very empowering way for me to decide who I want to be, who am I really in the capacity of a CEO, as a therapist, as a Uh, a community service individual, right? Like expanding that beyond. And so at this point, asking why not be a coach? Why not really chime into the things that I really love and value? So good. And it, it brings like, and for everyone listening, like I want you all to ask yourselves that question. It's so powerful. This alone is going to change your life. This question that Daisy asks herself, right? Like, ¿Por qué no tú? why not you? What makes everybody else capable, but not you, right? Like, and not from a place of shaming yourself, but from opening up to possibilities. And it is just such a powerful question. Thank you for sharing that gift with us, Daisy, because I think so often, again, we've been conditioned in our programming is to follow the rules and to follow things the way that they should be going. And no, this is your permission to be a rule breaker as long as you're not harming anybody, <laughs> right? And uh, it's so, so good. There's so much here. And I know when we when we talk naturally, we could have, we talk all day about all the topics. I actually, fun fact, 
uh, met uh, Daisy here in, in Mexico when he, she was on her trip for the first time in person. And we literally met and talked for hours. It turned into a whole evening. So with that, I, I kind of want to transition this over to what's been the most empowering moments and challenges that you faced transitioning from coaching, like from therapy to coaching and being a life coach? So many moments empowering that I, that Daisy Gomez and it's all collectively and myself and who I am, there's so many aspects of me, right? So kind of breaking out of that one identity is very freeing. Um, And I think especially when you go through graduate school and you go through putting in the clinical hours and putting in all the work, like I've been in the field of mental health for 10 years. It's probably it's the longest profession I've, I've known. And so really breaking out of it has been really powerful because if I had not been open to being a therapist, being a coach, I don't think I would have also been open to teaching or being a professora, right? Or I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to really own that I am a speaker and I enjoy doing that and I love educating others. And so knowing that I can do more than one thing with this one profession, that I went to school with for, right, is probably one of the most empowering things. And again, going back to my my personal growth and my personal healing that I want to live life on my own terms and I want to live life for me. And so that means I get to be who I want to be when I want to be it. So, so good. Um, I think the most, <laughs> the most challenging, um, it probably has been Letting go of what others think, letting go of that one identity of just being a good therapist, a great therapist, because I truly believe that in the last 10 years, I've done phenomenal work. I've been able, and I've been, it's a blessing. It really has been a blessing. My, I started my career in a nonprofit that did not have a mental health division. And so I was their very first therapist. I was the very first to help them establish systems, establish everything from building to administrative tests, to clinical things, to actually doing the direct service and starting different programs, a women's center, a school-based center. And so as a recent graduate, given that position, right, and being able to service my community, it, it made me, it created a big part of my identity. And I owned it for the last eight, 10 years, really. My current role in my nine to five is more on the marketing. It's more in the clinical marketing. And so that position also started to plant that seed that you mentioned earlier of like, oh, I can be a therapist, but I can also be a speaker and I can also educate the community and leave, you know, leave the traditional psychiatric hospital, the traditional nonprofit community, mental health clinics, school-based services, and really expand. And that was the first, the first trial that I had on breaking out of that one identity, right? Especially because when we go to school, it's like, okay, this is your degree. This is what you're able to do, right? And this is what you're going to do. And I think systemically, we're kind of very much conditioned to just follow that one route. And breaking out of it has probably been the most challenging and the most rewarding at the same time. So freaking good. I keep saying that, but y'all, I'm getting chills over here. Like literally... Daisy, when I heard you say, I'm so much more than just a good therapist, right? I'm so much more outside of that. It literally me puso la piel chinita because so many people needed to hear that message. And I know it's like the divine coming through right now, right? Because so many people need to know that like you can be an amazing, phenomenal therapist and also 
do more outside. And it doesn't mean do more, like bring yourself out and do work more to the bone. Cause we know here in this room right now that like, you're doing a lot right now already. Right. And I, by no means want like the listeners or you to really like take it as like, you want me to do more? I'm already doing so much. (laughs) Right. It's like, do more of what fulfills you do more of what makes you feel plena and, you know, happy and joyful don't do more of what you already are feeling resentful about. Absolutely. And it's that alignment, right? And being able to do more of what really aligns with your values and going through my own healing journey, starting many, many years ago, I discovered that like, yes, I was living a life that I liked, right? But it wasn't a life that I loved because it wasn't aligning with my values and the things that really, really brought joy to me. And the moments that I'm not living in alignment, I feel stuck. I feel drained. I feel like someone has recently, I've been using the phrase, like my soul has been devastated, right? When I'm not in alignment. And so it really is about breaking out of that one identity of a good therapist or a good community health therapist, because trust me, I've been there and I've done it. And I was really great at it. But knowing that I there's more to offer and there's more that is within me that aligns with really who I am and my bigger purpose in life. And being always in the nine to five community mental health or you know psychiatric health, which was my background, it can be draining and it doesn't allow you to really think outside the box, recreate yourself and live again based on what you really value and what you really love. And there's a big shift when you start to live for yourself and really live based on what you what you value and what you think is really important for you. Absolutely. And I think so often too, you know, we we beat ourselves up when we're in it. We're like, but why? Like, why am I always so tired? Or like, I can't handle anything, right? And it's so easy to like, be really hard with ourselves, but it is not humane for you to have 40 people on your caseload at all. Like that's a disservice to the clients that you're serving, right? Like I remember my own experiences with, and this is touching a little bit more on the burnout side. Like when I'm a client and I'm going to therapy, some therapists wouldn't even remember my name, right? And they were really burnt out. And I always gave them so much grace because it says nothing about who they are as, you know, experts. It just means that the system that they're in is not supporting their their mental health and their way of living. And again, like I think we can go in so many directions with this conversation, right? But it's just, again, it's so imperative that you know that the burnout that you're experiencing right now, like there is a world outside of that and it doesn't have to look like that for you. And that brings me to the the next topic that I that we're diving into, which is really burnout and and Daisy, I know that I know your own personal story with burnout, and I, I would love for you to share, you know, what it's been like for you in navigating burnout and recovering from it as a therapist uh, in your own journey. Yeah, I think you've you've tapped on a lot of very powerful points, specifically when it comes to burnout and first generation Latina therapists or, or you know Latinx therapists out there. If you're listening to this, like burnout is a real thing, and I think sometimes because we're so we're so focused on our next goal and we're really trying to sometimes just survive as first gens. It's hard to know when you're burnt out. And that actually was my experience. I was thriving at work, giving my patients literally 110%. Um, At the moment I was working as a school-based clinician and my caseload was 65 to 70 girls in middle school and high school. 
and doing a lot of group work and a lot of individual work. And on top of that, I decided that the, you know, I was going to do be a consistent coach for the girls basketball team because the school was underserved um, and they, they lacked a lot of resources. And so I even volunteered for that after work. And so I was thriving in the work environment, right? Getting everything in. My clients were really getting a really good service for me in the sense that I was um, obviously bilingual, bicultural, and I had a lot of immigrant young girls coming from Venezuela, from Colombia, from a lot of other places, Puerto Rico. And they found a home within school because of the work that I was doing and, you know, keeping up with all the administrative demands that come with the work, as you know, right, that's a whole other conversation. And um, I was lacking in other areas personally. So I wasn't devoting time to making time for friends. I wasn't making time for joy, right? My work filled me. It was very rewarding. Nonetheless, working with teenagers, even though most of them had pretty severe um, mental health issues, going into work was always joy and exciting and fun. But outside of work, I was drained. I didn't have enough energy to see my friends sometimes. I didn't have enough time and space and, and just the emotional capacity to do other things that I really, really loved and sometimes not even be present for those around me. And so I didn't realize I needed a break until someone offered me a, a new position in a hospital doing marketing. And I was like, well, I'm not a marketer. I'm a, I'm a licensed therapist. What do I have to do in this field, right? And so I said no to that position. They offered me a really great position. And I said, you know, I can't leave my, I can't leave my clients. The school year's not over. I'm not, I said, no, I said, you can interview. I went through the interview process. They gave me a really, really, really great pack. basically doubled my salary. And I said, it's March. The school year is not, doesn't end until June. If you're willing to wait for me. And at that point in my mind, I said, let me just try it out for the summer. If I don't like it, I can always go back to the school-based clinical work, right? And they they waited for me. They said, you have a skill set. We want you to do workshops. We want you to do clinical presentations because that's your background, but I, we want to use your skills in a different capacity. And at that point, even the amount of money that I that I asked for, they increased what I asked for. And that was like a big eye-opening experience as a community-based therapist because other people were believing in me and my skill set more than I was at that point. And I was like, what? You're giving me this? And so it, again, it wasn't for the money because as, as you know, many of us who are in the work of therapy work, it isn't about the money, right? It really is about being able to service others and being able to improve their quality of life and help them heal. And it's even more powerful when they do it with someone that looks like them, that sounds like them. And that was always the biggest pride that I, and I still take huge pride in the work that I do. But once I discovered that others were believing in my skill set more than I was, I was like, wait, something's off here. Like something's off. And during that time that I transitioned, and this was pre-pandemic, I didn't realize how burnt out I was until I had, I stopped working in that environment. So once I started doing, at least doing, doing this new position, and yes, there was clinical work involved, but it wasn't as heavy and it wasn't as draining per se. Shifting out of that was hard. I couldn't leave my therapist hat or my therapist role. It was like a big part of my identity was kind of like taken with me, but it really wasn't. And so being able to find at that point, I, I didn't realize how, how burnt out I was until Physically, I started to feel the symptoms coming in. So some anxiety started kicking in, some 
some depression, right? As we know, untreated anxiety turns into, I'm sorry, untreated, yeah, untreated anxiety turns into depression in some cases. And so that's when I started to experience that. And the self-doubt came in a little bit in some cases. And so again, it wasn't until my body was fully out of that environment that I recognized it. And that was a little scary, right? Knowing us, we know the system, we know the symptoms, we know everything about mental health, but we're the last ones to really sometimes pick up on our own signs. And usually one of the early signs of burnout is, you know, you feel some resentment towards your clients, or you feel that you're not serving your clients properly. And in my case, that wasn't the case. Like I was 150 for my clients, but I was neglecting all other areas. I wasn't even making time for dating at some point. I was prioritizing my work over every other area of my life, including my health at some point. And so being able to step out sometimes from the direct service gives you the opportunity to really assess and check in with yourself and see and ask yourself, what do you need at this moment in this season of your life? So, so good. There's so much here. I hope everybody's taking notes because you just gave us tips. You gave us, you know, your own personal experience in navigating this. And thank you so much for the details of, you know, your own journey in navigating and and also recovering from it. And like how, how you even came to bring awareness to the fact that you were experiencing this burnout. I love that you shared, you know, the early signs because some people don't even get those right. I know for me, my experience was a little bit different because for me, I actually did get those signs. Like I was starting to feel resentful. I was really anxious. I felt like I couldn't breathe. Like most days, any little thing would trigger me. If a client wouldn't show up, I would get upset because it'd be like my productivity hours, like the case loads, right? Um, I mean, the case notes collateral sessions, just so many things that were involved with like the admin work. And it felt like I didn't sign up for this. I signed up to just serve. I didn't sign up to write notes every weekend. And for me, it was like, I also have no life. Granted, I was still finishing my program, which was a a really intensive program. And I was working full-time and I was serving clients. And I I had about 10 clients on my caseload at the time. But coupled with everything else I was doing, for me, I just, I saw the signs and I was like, no, this is not going to be my reality. And I don't care who says what about whether I'm going to practice my degree or not. I'm going to tell myself the story that I'm going to practice my degree in a different capacity, but I'm still going to use my degree and I'm not going to bring shame with me because that wasn't going to serve me either. And I think, you know, no matter if you relate to the way that, you know, that Daisy story and like her own journey with it and like how she didn't see the signs. And on my end, I did. And I was way earlier on in the journey. I like, I was only in like my traineeship, right? I wasn't even in the actual field yet. So I can, I think this really also speaks to the point that so many clinicians and mental health providers feel like if they're in grad school, they're like, damn, I don't think I want to do this anymore. They stay there because they're like, well, que mas voy a hacer? and then there's the others that feel like they need to stay in the field for the rest of their lives because that's just the way that things are. So we are not just one person. Like there's so many different, there's so many different like profiles for different mental health professionals. And of course, we're sharing this with you to just bring awareness to the environment that you're in right now. And more than anything, um, Daisy, I think you said it perfectly. You know, we're never in this for the money. We're in here for the people and to serve, but also for the energetic exchange of, you know, the energy we're bringing out because 
we are literally in a crisis right now as mental health professionals. There's so many like shortages of staff and, and like clinicians for the same reason. And as Latinas, we also have the like, like lowest life expectancy too, right? So just considering all these factors, I, I think this conversation is just really powerful for those that, you know, are feeling it, maybe aren't feeling it. And then they're realizing through the tips you shared, Daisy, that like, oh, maybe I am. And I think it's really powerful what you're what you're sharing with us. And as first generation, second generation, Latinas, Latinos, um, Latinx here, just recognizing that our lived experience is even, it's more than enough to put us at risk for burnout, right? Because we probably were at some point, I'm speaking from my experience, I was a high achieving straight A student and very anxious from a very early age and you know navigating that anxiety without being diagnosed or treated right was heavy on my body was heavy on my mind as well but I kept pushing through I made it through you know the rest of the you know college graduate school you know in the field being in the literally what you know my my clinical supervisors called in the trenches because of the communities that I served and still having that very unhealthy mindset, unfortunately, of just push through, just push through, right? And and knowing that that doesn't have to always be the case. And a lot of the times, from my personal experience, once I was feeling burnt out or unsatisfied with the work or work environment that I was in, it was a big sign for me to also move on because it was a sign of stuckness for me. And I think that's also something that we don't talk about in our field as therapists, as coaches, like when there's that urgency that you're ready to leap into the next big thing or to grow into the, into the next version of yourself, when we remain in environments or settings or work environments that kind of keep us within that box that we just talked about, it's hard to really expand. And that's why we start to feel some of the burnout symptoms of feeling the low energy, feeling the depression, feeling the anxiety. It's because your mind and your body and your spirit at, at some level, they want to grow and you're preventing them from doing that. And so I I learned to really embrace that every time I changed community health clinic, I knew it was for a reason, right? And it wasn't necessarily for a, a raise because they paid the same across all positions at my level, right? But it was more so, okay, what else am I going to learn? And then once I broke out of community mental health and I went into this marketing position, it was a huge eye-opener to for me personally to recognize that I was somewhat stuck in that role as a therapist in that community. As much as I love the clinical work and I love what I was able to do for, for who I was serving, I was ready for something different and I was ready for something bigger. And at, at that point, I didn't even know that. And it wasn't until I was physically removed from it that I said, okay, I can do more than just be a therapist. And I'm glad that seed was planted. And I'm glad that the person that recruited me, I'm still friends with her and I'm grateful for her. And I said, do you remember when you recruited me at that baby shower? (laughs) And um, it kind of opened the door. And she's been one of my biggest supporters as well, because she said, you can, you can do private practice. You can do this. And I said, you know, having that community to cheer you on, but recognizing that, there are moments in our careers without us knowing it, our feelings of stuckness, our burnt out has a reason and a purpose. And sometimes it is an opportunity for you to stop, to really stop and reflect and think, what's next for me? Or why am I feeling this way? This is so, so good. And I mean, again, I feel I wish we had like all the time in the world to like unpack all and dissect it all. 
But I I just want to highlight what you shared, Daisy, that was so powerful. This push through mentality that can be really harmful to us when we are in this season, especially because I think as Latinos and Latinas, Latinx individuals, we we value work ethic so much, right? And we have this, like, we carry this pressure on our on our backs of like our parent sacrifices. We're gonna be the ones, we're gonna be the ones. And it's like, if you're listening to this, you're already doing amazing just by existing. Everything that you've mentioned, everything that you've mentioned, everything that you've done has literally like just like you know, our lived experiences alone, like we are miracles, walking miracles, literally, right? So I just want to offer that your your work ethic is never going to be in question. Like it could, that's not even in our blood and our DNA. Like nobody can question us for that. And I think so, so often, you know, we navigate these systems so afraid of like being deemed as like, no trabajamos enough or like, we don't, we're not putting our best foot forward. Right. And it's like, that's not even in you. You're naturally over delivering just by doing the work. So again, like, I really hope that this is uh, just a call to action for you listening to, to give yourself more grace and to again, notice and assess these signs and know that like, you're already an amazing clinician and you don't need your higher up to validate you for that. Like, take credit for the work that you're doing and don't put your own well-being on the line just to prove something to someone in, in your work environment. So it just, I feel really called to share that. It's like a download came through it. Like you need to hear that message. And with that too, it's like, know that you don't have to be fully healed to be able to serve your community, right? So I know that that's something too, Daisy, that you've experienced too. How has your own healing journey helped you become a better helper? Oh, it's it's been so powerful to do my own healing as I'm helping others. And I say that because had I not started my own healing process, I don't think I would be here right now in this moment, right? Um, And recognizing that I am better equipped, I'm much more aware of my own strengths, right? Which in the past, I would know all my flaws, but at this moment, I'm definitely a lot more comfortable in sharing what what are my strengths and what I'm good at. And knowing that as a therapist who's been in the field for almost 10 years, therapy has been instrumental in getting me where I am now and really believing and breaking out of those limiting beliefs and knowing that I can do it all again when I want to do it, not at the same time, um, and helping me really recreate myself and push to push myself to really go out of my own comfort zone, which I have always been extremely cautious, not only my first gen, but I'm also a Virgo. So I'm super structured, organized, and I follow rules very well. And so without the therapy work and without doing the inner work, I think, which is a lifelong process, and you and I have talked about this before, I wouldn't probably be at this place right now. But also recognizing that you can be a really great helper even though you're going through your own process or your own healing process, right? Um, healing or in our healing journey is multidimensional and it takes basically a life, a lifetime, right? And knowing that you can start your process now and then maybe feel at a good place and continue and discontinue and come back to it and take breaks as you go. But that does not make you less of a therapist, less of a, a coach or a clinician. I think that's something that we're always hesitant to talk about that therapists go to therapy, first of all, right? And not really embrace that 
therapy and getting our going through our own healing processes is very important for us to be able to better serve, but it doesn't limit us either. So, so good. And I think it's also really important, you know, to note that oftentimes when we're going through our own healing journey, we're only becoming better therapists and better coaches and better servers and better, better able to better humans. Yeah. Better able to hold capacity and serve, right. And to hold space for others in a more empathetic way. And it allows us to just become better overall. And I think that it's very, very valid to feel the shame up come up at first, but just know that like, if you're in your own healing journey, you're only becoming wiser and you're only growing and having even more tools to support your clients, whether you're in therapy or whether you're in coaching. I, I know for in my personal healing process, there's been so many, like when I tell you I've been healing, <laughs> I've been healing over the last year and a half. Right. And I think so much of like clients that I serve or like they from the outside looking in, they they think like, how the heck have you been able to do all these things? And it's it's because of that. It's because I've leaned into the healing work. It's because I am supported. It's because I have a therapist, because I have a life coach, because I have a business coach, I have a system, I have all the coaches you can think of. I have because it takes a village, y'all. It doesn't just happen overall. And if you're in a place where you're like, well, Liz, I can't really. Like it's not within my capacity or reach to invest in that way. It didn't all, it wasn't always like this, but choosing those individuals in your, in your corner and in your support and creating that community that is going to support you because it really does take a village to, you know, dive into the healing work, but also learn from the healing work and grow through it rather than like stay in that place, paralyzed, feeling like there's something wrong with you. So Thank you so much for sharing that, Daisy. And you're doing incredible things. You're doing amazing things in your career with your speaking engagements and coaching um, most recently, right? So tell us, what are some of the things you're the most proud of? You're inside Align Coaching. And I know I, I love today, we're going to have our call later this evening. Um, and I love, love, love having you in there. What are some of the results that you're the most proud of so far in your journey? Oh, there's so many. I think one of the biggest one is really owning or being on the journey of owning my CEO uh, businesswoman identity, right? I always said, I don't know anything about marketing. I don't know anything about business. What am I? I'm just a therapist, right? And sometimes they'll catch me still saying that, but it's one of those limiting beliefs that I'm constantly breaking out of. And I'm very proud of the fact that I can be multidimensional, have multiple hats and roles, and still feel balanced and at ease and aligned with what I what I want to do with my purpose in life. Um, but really transitioning into that identity of I'm a boss. I'm my own boss, right? Yes, I do have a boss because I have a nine to five, but I, I'm also my own boss. And so that that has been overwhelming, but it's been also really empowering and I'm really proud of it. I'm the first one to say my immediate family, I have a business. I have a business, you know, and I'm also the first one of many things, but it's a different type of ownership. And even looking back, I think when I started Align Coaching and I went through some of the modules and some of the work that some of the parts of your work that you shared with us of recreating our our identity as a CEO, I said, wait, I was selling Mary Kay when I was 14 years old, like been selling. I've been I've been in business. Like, you know, I had the Mary Kay job. I had I was selling them knives. I don't know what company it was, but at some point I tried to do that too. And 
I've had these skills that I just, you know, put them aside because I was so focused on just doing that one career, that one, getting that degree, right? And going to school for this one thing without recognizing that, yes, I can be that and this and that and that. And so I'm very much proud of like owning this identity as a CEO and continuing to grow in it because again, it's opened so many doors and so many opportunities. The moment I decided, yes, I'm going to do private practice. That's when, you know, the teaching opportunities came in. That's when the life coaching came in. Right. And so opening doors for that, I'm really proud of that. I'm also proud that I was able to book a coaching client before a therapy client when I first started. I think that was something unexpected, right? And it was a realization that I, as you mentioned before, we can be two different roles at one time, right? And still practice very much ethically and still practice within our boundaries and our skill set and trusting that process that I'm a great therapist, not a good therapist. I'm a great therapist, but I can also be a great life coach and really showing myself that I can serve others at the capacity that I want to serve and that there are no limitations to that. So I'm really proud of that. Oh, so good, Daisy. And I'm over here smiling. Mis cheeks ya me duelen de just laughing and so smiling this whole entire time because I'm just so, so proud of you. I I know how much courage it's taken and how I know how, you know, high achieving you are and that anything you put your mind to, you're going to bring to life. And I also know that this journey brought up a lot for you in terms of, you know, um, marketing yourself. And I love that you shared the Mary Kay example, because it is true. We forget about those things that we've done in the past, right? And you articulated it so beautifully for your listeners. Again, like she's speaking about the five uh, step to identity framework that's inside of the curriculum of Aligned Coaching's portal. And it's just such a powerful tool that helps you see you know, all the different identities you hold and all the skill sets. It's almost like your resume, right? Of all the transferable skills you have that make you an incredible CEO. And just that exercise alone can help you so much to see yourself as someone that's, you know, been a businesswoman this whole entire time. Because I truly believe that all the clients that I serve, they already have it in them. They just haven't had the opportunity to access it because of the programming, socially, right? The academics, all of the things. And Daisy, you've just been such a beautiful example of like, lo que puedes crear cuando de veras te pones la meta and you decide, right? When, what you can create when you when you set the goal and you decide to take your time too, because by no means were you ever like, I need to book a client, I need to book a client. Like that's not, that was not your energy at all. It was more like, me voy a aventar, I'm going to do it on my own terms and I'm going to just practice believing in me. I'm going to practice sharing my voice as I feel comfortable right on social media, because I know that brings up a lot for a lot of people as well. But you've been doing the thing. And I will never forget when you voice messaged me and you said, Liz, this was so much easier than I thought. What would you say to people about that experience, right? That like, we think, oh, it's impossible to book a coaching client as a therapist. What would you say to them? It definitely is much easier than we are imagining. We're probably if you're listening to this, and you think that you're you want to do coaching or you want to add this service to your offerings if you're already in private practice, it definitely is a lot easier than we assume. I think I had so many misconceptions of how hard it will be because I'm so used to having a certificate, having a degree to back me up or, you know, having something that is very specifically connected to the type of offering, right? And so 
it's not as hard when you have the skill set and you've been doing it for a very long time. Whether it has been, you know, sales, I never thought I would be good at sales, right? It's just more of like, what what skills have I not put on my resume, right? Because when you're in a certain pr- profession, you add the you add the the experiences, uh, work experiences that are based on that role or this position, right? And since I can remember, I've been in social services since I was 18, so it's been a very long time, and all the things have been into psychology, have been into counseling, and so really recognizing that you have more than enough skills to be a coach and it is not that hard. And you're also, we're very clinically intuitive. And so we know how to assess our clients and trusting that. And I think a lot of the times when we think about coaching and a therapist, therapists are more than more than well-equipped with all the skills because we have the clinical background and the clinical intuition to really assess what are the needs for this client. And so booking my first coaching client, it was essentially that. And it came very natural. Well, I assessed for all the things that were related to therapy and she just did not fit in that category. And I said, well, this is what I have to offer. I have coaching. I'm able to offer three months coaching and it was perfect. And it has been great. Um, since then we're halfway through our coaching and recognizing that as, as a therapist, we have all the skills that we need to be amazing, very, very skilled coaches. So trusting that is important. So, so good. And again, like, I just love that you mentioned trusting your your intuition and your skill set. And you'd be surprised, Daisy, but I hear it so often that where therapists come and say, you know, I need a coaching certification. Should I like, that's another thing I have to do. And it's like, not at all. I think you were in the masterclass that I held where so many of the objections, it's like you have therapists that thought they needed a coaching certification. And then you had people that had been in, you know, doing the work in their work experience as counselors and service providers in social wellness and um, mental health professionals that thought they needed a therapy degree, right? So it's like, no matter what, it just was such a clear example of like the programming that we get and we receive of like the employee mindset, but also like we need a, a certification and a paper to prove that we can do something. This is your permission to just do the thing without the certification because all of the years of experience you've held make you qualified to be incredible. And you're so much more skilled than you give yourself credit for. So thank you so much for sharing that, Daisy. Absolutely. And again, a a good highlight of that is if you're a therapist and you haven't been licensed, right? A lot of the times you go through that navigating the work field um, without being licensed. And that does not make you less of a qualified or efficient therapist if you're not licensed. I've met some amazing clinicians that still haven't gotten licensed right through the state for whatever reason, but that doesn't make them less of a therapist. And so recognizing that a lot of the times we have been in a position where we need, especially as Latinas or Latinx, we have to have something to back us up or give us credibility, give us validation. And once you're able to break out of that, like there's so many doors that will open. I thought I had to go take a course so I can be a professor. I'm like, I only have a week to take a course. How is that going to happen? So I sat down with myself and I really said this felt good in my body. And it, it, it brought so much joy to be able to educate others and to teach others specifically in my own you know, field. And at that point, I had no experience when I first started, right? I just had, I have my lived experience and to that day, and that was more than enough for me to be a great professora. 
And the same way that I took on coaching, I have more than enough lived experience and I'm going to be a great coach. And this is where I'm at now. And I think just really believing in yourself and believing in the skills and giving more credit to your lived experience is, is really important when it comes to trying new things and taking on new roles. Absolutely, Daisy. And I know we're reaching our the end of our interview today, but I think it's as you were sharing, it really brought up this point for me of, you know, also what comes up for us when we are charging, because I know that 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 was something that came up for you, right in your process of starting your private practice and coaching too, right of like the price differences and like the packages versus sessions. Tell me about what it was like for you to book your your coaching client at a packaged rate versus sessions. And I believe your client paid in full. Correct. Yes. I think had I not had this conversation in our aligned coaching session, I probably would have not handled it as great as I did, right? Because it's almost this belief that our clients don't have the resources and don't have um, the money. But when you're ready and you know this is what you need and this is what you want, you make the sacrifices or you figure out how you can navigate that. And also knowing that when you meet someone as a therapist or a coach that you're really aligned with, that you really want to work with, that makes a significant difference. And knowing that that investment is going to give you a very high return on that investment. I really had to trust the process and, and trust that for both coaching and and therapy clients, that the right clients will come to me and the right clients that are aligning with my values and my work ethic are going to be the ones that are going to be interested in my services. And to this day, I've been very grateful to God that it has worked out this way. My therapy clients and my coaching clients are phenomenal and knowing that they are worthy of investing in themselves. And I have to trust that too. And I have to believe that for them as well. But it is a lot of working through some of those limiting beliefs of money and us charging. Again, my therapy clients are also out-of-pocket full-paying clients because I don't take insurances. And so it was a hard decision to make, but I'm still very much grateful that I, I can charge what I know I'm worth and that trusting and knowing that they will be getting amazing service and a great transformation and great results through the work that we're going to do together. Absolutely. And I I definitely wanted to touch on that because I know it's something that our listeners are probably thinking like, yes, everything sounds amazing. Pero como lo voy a hacer? Like, will people, well, is this actually possible for me? Because even when I reflect on my own journey, it felt really far away, right? And even just charging, no sé, más de 200 dólares, right? When we've been told, oh, you have to earn your way to charge that much, right? Like we have a lot of thoughts, especially if we come from a low income background and you articulated it again so beautifully of like the realities of like also the fact that you've done, I just call it like you've passed that baton, right? Like you started and you've you've done so much work and you don't even have to have 10 years of experience to set your prices, right? I really want to make that clear, but believing and trusting that the work that you do speaks for itself and that the right people will come and that it is possible for someone to pay you $2,500 for a package upfront versus them paying you session by session. And it is also very possible for you to charge $200 for your private pay sessions in, in private practice without fear of being unaccessible, because the truth is that you're the most accessible. And even if you ever even just charged $1, that would still be inaccessible to someone. So 
we truly believe, you know, of like marketing your services, like this podcast is a free resource for everybody, right? And this just creates more capacity for Daisy to, for example, go and do workshops for nonprofits. And because she's getting compensated for her work in a different way, right? So just so many important things to think about. And on that note, Daisy, what would you say to someone that, you know, is hesitant about expanding their offerings into coaching that is currently mental health? <laughs> I would say that todo es posible. It is possible. And something that I shared with our group coaching, my colleagues there, sin miedo al éxito. And I think a lot of the times it's a fear and it's all these beliefs that hold us back. So if you're experiencing that, take a moment to really dig deep as to where that comes from and ask yourself, why not you? And take the leap. I think the same way that we the same way that we teach our patients and our clients how to trust themselves and we support them in their journey of growth and healing is the same way that you can do that for yourself. And if you can't do it on your own, ask for help, right? As you mentioned before, it takes a whole village. Get a therapist, get a life coach, get a business coach. If you need to check in with your doctor, get a nutritionist, get a, a, all, the, all the things that you need to support you so that you can be in the right place to make that leap and try it. What are you going to lose in many cases? And I think um, that's also another of the questions that I ask. So, so good, Daisy. Oh my God. This has been such a phenomenal interview. Like you have blessed our community today. Thank you so much, Daisy, for all of the wisdom. This is worth like replaying over and over again. Anytime that you're in your head about making a decision, like as you're listening, thank you so, so much, Daisy. Tell us about your services, where people can find you. Tell us all because I know you're accepting clients. So I would love for our listeners to hear how they can find you. They will have all your information in the show notes and how to contact you and book a consultation with you either for therapy and coaching. So, and or speaking. So yeah, let us know how we can find you. Yes. Thank you so much again. This has been a blessing to be able to share my story. And so thank you for the space, Liz. You can find me on Instagram, um, encuentrate.cc. That is my Instagram handle. You can see I work and I specialize in working with first-generation professionals who are experiencing overwhelmed, high anxiety, and burnout, and who want to feel a lot more joy, ease, and prioritize themselves. That's one of the reasons why I named my business Encuentrate, Coming Back to Yourself. And so that is one way that you can find me. You can visit my website, uh, www.encuentratecc.com and access uh, me through there. Set up a, a free consultation so that we can chat more. And I'm currently accepting therapy clients and I'm also accepting coaching clients. And on top of that, I'm also available for speaking engagements with a variety of topics such as um, imposter syndrome, Latinx mental health, navigating the healing journey, and uh, specialized and customized workshops if upon request. So I'm happy to serve and I'm happy to work with you if you're interested and you're hearing this and you feel we align, reach out. So, so good. Daisy, it has been an honor to have you. I'm so excited for where your business is going. All of that's to come. We still have about nine months together. So we have a lot of time, but I'm just so excited to be supporting your journey, guiding you through this process. It's been such an honor just to see your growth and just 
three months, under three months, and everything that you're continuing to create inside of line coaching um, in your work outside of that too. So super, super sending you all of the love. Thank you for being here with us today. And I know it's just the first of many because you're amazing. So thank you again so much for being here. Thank you, Liz, for the space. And again, the invitation and for all the work that you do for us. So thank you. If you took value from this episode, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show. This will help other Latina CEOs find us. And if you're excited about this podcast, I invite you to take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram at Life with Liz. That is L-I-F-E-W-I-T-H-H-L-I-Z. Mil gracias por estar aquí and I'll see you in the next episode.